Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis, returning from an extended hiatus. Spent a lot of quality time with my girlfriend, Katie. Love Katie. Spent a lot of time putting together some research for today's episode to do a very, very nice NFL season preview episode tomorrow. Friday's episode will go into some gambling stuff for week one, but this is going to be a big picture for season-long things, some predictions, division alignment, that kind of thing. Talk big picture, what you would expect from your typical football preview show, but I, on the other hand, will not be talking in empty platitudes like most of the people you will hear previewing this year's NFL season. But before I get to the NFL season preview, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. I know, as a content creator, got to do a better job of being active on social media from the show accounts. Going to work on that. Going to try and put some stuff out on those platforms so there's more things for you guys to enjoy. If you see the show out there in the wild on social media, give us a signal boost, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, wherever you see the show, share it, like it, retweet it, quote, tweet it, whatever you want to do to help other people find the show. It's greatly appreciated. Next, subscribe to the show. Whatever platform you like to use, we're on all the major ones, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the major platforms, we're there. After that, if you are specifically an Apple Podcast user, because Apple controls the universe, you need to do me a favor. Go to the show's page where you just subscribed and scroll past our recent episodes. Underneath the recent episodes, there's going to be five clear purple stars. Please hit the one furthest to the right that's leaving a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, write a review. Take a minute, leave a written review. Really do appreciate it. If we can get to 20 reviews, I'll do some kind of giveaway, probably a jersey or something. Got plenty to pick from. We can definitely make something fun happen there. So leave reviews, please. Support your content creators. Matter of fact, not just this show. If you're subscribed to any podcast, leave it a review because it helps your content creator out a lot. So, the last we saw of the National Football League, and yes, I do like to say the full-on National Football League, like on Lewis Riddick or any other player who used to play in the league, we saw Thomas Edward Brady winning another Super Bowl. You know, the guy who's been in like 10% of all the Super Bowls ever played? Yeah, that guy. He won it again against the Kansas City Chiefs team with Mike Remmers at one of the tackles. And I remember Super Bowl week vividly. Tuesday of that week, going into the group meet with my high school friends and saying, I already bet Kansas City, but the offensive line situation scares me. Should I just bet Tampa and hedge and get out now, or do I ride? And we were all pretty confident that Mahomes would be good enough to overcome the offensive line issues, and Kansas City would win. I mean, if you remember listening to the show the day after the Super Bowl, I was pretty adamant that I felt that Kansas City lost that game as opposed to Tampa winning that game, that Tampa Bay's defense was the story of the game, not Tom Brady, not that offense, which did play well, but the Kansas City defense was on the field way too often because the offense could not do anything. That was the last we saw of the National Football League. There has been quite a bit of roster turnover. There always is in the NFL. A lot of familiar faces in new places Julio Jones a Titan I know that one's going to take a little while for me to get used to Emmanuel Sanders in Buffalo Jameis Winston's going to be the starter in New Orleans Teddy Two Gloves down in Denver Sam Darnold in Carolina Zach Wilson in New York Justin Fields in 
Chicago, Trey Lance, maybe in San Francisco. We got a lot to talk about. I will see you guys in one second. And with that, we will get on into it. Anybody who knows me knows the people I am friends with knows. Football season is my favorite time of the year. Yes, I might care about hockey more. Hockey might be the sport I understand the best from an expert perspective. It's the one that drives me the most crazy. Football is my favorite sport to watch on TV. It is the best. You get to spend time with your friends and your family. Even if it's Thanksgiving and the games suck, you get to spend time with your family watching football. Get to spend time with your friends watching football. I know me and my friends, we, when possible, love to get together on Sundays, watch Red Zone together, yell at the TV, bitch about our fantasy lineups, cry when someone we have on our teams gets injured, get to compare bet slips before the 1 o'clock kickoff, go into various group chats with different people, talk about things we like, whether it be player props, whether it be futures, whether it be teasers, whatever. This is my favorite time of the year because it brings me closer to my friends, and it's a really special time of year for that reason. And just, you know, the world is a little bit better when it's 55 degrees and you can wear a sweater everywhere and you get to wear jeans and you get to break out your boots. And there's something just better about fall than the other seasons. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hockey season in a couple weeks, but... For now, I'm still very excited about football. I know I owe you guys a college football reaction episode, but the first thing I'm going to talk about here uh, for the NFL preview is something we saw in week one of the college football season. Defenses always start ahead of the offenses, no matter what level of football. It is easier for defenses to be prepared than it is for offenses because offenses don't go through the full range of motions that they do when they are practicing against their own defense. There's not as aggressive pass rushing. It is always going to be impossible to simulate game speed in practice. So for some of these offenses, it will take a little bit of time for things to gel, especially new quarterback, new coordinator, new head coach, what have you, new offensive lineman. It might take a while for some of the teams we're familiar with and used to being pretty good to get going on offense because offense is such a rhythm and feel type of thing in the world of football where a coordinator might have something in mind but if his team doesn't have the rhythm it's not going to work for them and we saw it quite a bit in college football during week one we saw pretty talented teams most notably Georgia and Clemson struggle to move the ball with any real consistency because the other team's defense was so adequately prepared and that is something we are going to see upcoming here we're going to see it there are a few teams whose offenses I'm very curious to see how they come out of the gate because of changes Number one, very curious to see what the New England offense with Mac Jones looks like. Matt Patricia, excuse me, not Matt Patricia. Josh McDaniels. I get my Brady, my Brady, my Belichick disciples mixed up. You can tell I've got football in the brain because names are just flowing out of my mouth. Next, I'm going to be talking about Jake Plummer. But, 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 very curious to see what that New England offense with Mac Jones looks like under center. Belichick went out there. He got the two tight ends and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry to control the middle of the field. They still have Jacoby Myers, who I think is going to be pretty good out of the slot. They've got Damian Harris. We expect their offensive line to be vastly improved from last season. I think New England's going to be pretty good, and you're going to hear once I get to going division by division, but 
very curious to see how New England shakes out. I'm very curious to see what Pittsburgh looks like based on the offseason. They had Pouncey retiring, Villanueva going somewhere else, having to bring in offensive linemen from outside the organization to protect a quarterback who at this point in his career is a statue. Big Ben cannot move around in the pocket like he used to be able to. He cannot drag people on his back to try and keep plays alive like he used to be able to do earlier in his career. Another one. Very curious to see what Tennessee looks like without Arthur Smith calling plays on that offense because Derrick Henry is getting all of the credit and hype about the Titans over the last few years because he's putting up such gaudy rushing numbers without any receiving element to his game. And we've seen the last coordinator to get promoted out of Tennessee, Matt LaFleur, go on to do pretty good things in his two years in Green Bay. Green Bay's gone, I believe, 13-3 and three, both of his seasons up there. They went to the NFC title game twice. There is a real thread here in the types of offenses team run and the success they have because of what they do. We've seen it work in Green Bay. You're going to hear me talk about it when I talk about the Falcons because of Arthur Smith. I'm very curious to see what Tennessee looks like with a different coordinator that is not Arthur Smith, who does not have a feel for that zone run play action game. The last team I'm going to touch on really quickly here in this introductory introductory segment before I start going division by division. I'm really, really, really the team that might be the single biggest variance team in the NFL. Are you listening? The Indianapolis Colts. The last we saw of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers were in Buffalo at New Era Field, and they let a winnable game slip away from them. The Bills did not come out with their A game that day. They did not look particularly good. The Colts, two and a half minutes to go, ball on their own 20-yard line. They burned a minute and a half off of that clock before they crossed midfield and before the eventual fumble review that had to be settled. Indianapolis, of course, Phillip Rivers has retired to go coach, I believe, one of his kids in football, Carson Wentz, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger. I might not find a bigger Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger college stand than me in the anywhere on the internet. Eason at Washington, I was very high on him. I thought he was going to be pretty good. I thought he was going to be pretty good when he was at Georgia, to be honest with you. Sam Ellinger, I'm a Texas guy. Texas forever, all that shit. I thought Sam Ellinger had the goods to be a pretty good college quarterback. Even I was pretty skeptical to see him get drafted and play at the NFL level. He was always an athlete playing quarterback, someone whose athleticism was going to help them make plays, maybe something of a gadget, maybe a Walmart, Taysom Hill type deal to be able to play in the red zone because that was where Ellinger was at his most dangerous when he was able to use his physicality, use his shoulders to be able to run over smaller linebackers. Someone's going to have to tell Sam the linebackers in the NFL are not 220 pounds like they were in the Big 12 for some of the teams he was playing. Now, let's go division by division, and we will talk some ball. So I'm going to start with the NFC East. The two teams we think are going to be good in this division are Washington and the Cowboys. I am getting out in front of this now. There is a considerable amount of hype for the Washington football team because they have Ryan Fitzpatrick and everybody who's a football fan just enjoys Ryan Fitzpatrick's story, the way he plays, like he thinks he's a lot better than he actually is, his irrational confidence, his willingness to make risky plays, and... People seem to be forgetting the last time we saw a full season of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It wasn't particularly good. 
Fitzpatrick is good for a month or so every season. He was pretty good in spurts for Miami last year. He was pretty good in spurts for the Jets. Pretty good in spurts for the Bills and some of the other stops along his career. We know over an extended period of time he is too irrationally confident and makes poor decisions. And people are expecting too much of that defense. And don't get me wrong. I think that defense is very, very talented. That front seven with Chase Young, with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, as good as any front seven in the entire NFL. Defense is extremely high variance year to year, and I do think Chase Young is as good as advertised, but I find it hard to believe he's going to be able to force as many turnovers as he did last year. And that's one of the things we do a poor job as analysts of explaining to people and it's why defenses get drafted way too early in fantasy especially ones who have good years the year before so much of defensive production is reliant on turnovers and there is no consistency causation way to consistently force turnovers turnovers happens when play breaks down you cannot scheme turnovers to happen Sure, if you do certain things, they are more likely to happen, but there is no way of guaranteeing it to happen. And it's why in some matchups where we've seen the high-powered offense meet the high-powered defense, the high-powered offense wins because that elite defense cannot force turnovers. So, I've talked a bit about Washington. Dallas, full stop. I think Dallas is going to win the division. I picked them to win the division in my pool. I picked them. To go uh, 10 and 7, I, w- I am one of the lunatics who goes through all 32 teams and goes win-loss f- week by week to lay out the full schedule to get an idea of what it'll look like to make all the math check out, get an idea of what I think going into the season. That way I can look back on it, see and try and learn where I made mistakes looking ahead into that season with the benefit of hindsight. So I think Dallas will be pretty good. They do have a kind of difficult schedule. That defense is Mika Parsons and a bunch of guys. The secondary is going to be pretty bad. That Dan Quinn cover three defense that the Seahawks ran to win Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl nine years ago. Not exactly the most cutting-edge shit like it used to be. They do not have the corners to run cover three in Dallas like they did when he was up in Seattle with Sherman and Brandon Browner, amongst others. Does not have an Earl Thomas to sit over the top to kind of shepherd everything along or an enforcer like Cam Chancellor to hit the shit out of someone if someone's coming over the middle. I'm on Dallas because of Dak Prescott, period. I think Dak Prescott is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, I say that full well knowing I got cock-teased into thinking the Cowboys were going to be good last year. And when we saw them come out with Mike McCarthy week one against the Rams, they could not move the ball on offense at all because Mike McCarthy had no feel for his talent. This offense should be amazing. C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, don't sleep on Blake Jarwin. Ezekiel Elliott is not nearly as good as he used to be, but if Dallas is a pass-first team and uses Zeke as the battering ram to kind of finish teams off, I think Zeke can have an effective role. If, on the other hand, they are trying to make Zeke the focal point of the team, like in Dak's rookie season, to try and take some of the pressure off of him, it's not going to work. The Dallas offensive line is not nearly as it was all those years ago. Travis Frederick, retired. Zach Martin is on the COVID list, almost 99.999% sure going to miss the Tampa Bay game on Thursday tonight. I like Dallas to win this division, and I 
full well think Dak Prescott will be in the MVP mix. I bet Dak Prescott to win MVP last year at, I believe, 12-1. to 1. I did it again this year. I got him at 11-1 to 1 to win MVP. And I think he's probably a lock for comeback player of the year if he plays a full season. This is a man who was on pace for 6,000 yards passing last year because of how bad the Cowboys' defense was. And I think a team that plays with this kind of style, the we we got to score a touchdown every single time we get the ball because we know our defense is bad, is a dangerous team to be in a game against. If they are actually scoring a touchdown every single time they get the ball, it's really hard to keep pace. And if your defense can just be a little bit opportunistic, if, if DeMarcus Lawrence can play up to the level he had in recent years, if you can get Quandre Diggs, Stephon Diggs' little brother, to get some interceptions out there. He missed most of last season with an injury. All you need to be is a little bit opportunistic. Micah Parsons is an athletic freak. I'm very curious to see if he's going to actually be good at linebacker or if he's going to be Devin White good at linebacker where he is everywhere, but he has no real feel for how to actually play defense. So he jumps off of the screen at you, but he's often out of position and just trying to get to wherever the ball is with no real consideration for the route he's taking to get to the ball. Really quick, I don't want to spend too much time on the Giants and the Eagles. I don't think either of these teams is going to be particularly good. In my season predictions, I had the Giants at 5-12 and 12 and the Eagles at 6-11. and 11. I think both of these teams are going to be pretty low on the scale of if we're looking on the range of first overall in the draft to playoff team I think these teams are both firmly in that mediocre tier where they will be in a majority of their games because of the talent they have but they just don't have enough talent to win those close games with any real consistency I do not think the Giants defense will be able to play as well as it did last year because it's going to be on the field too much because this offense is probably going to be horrendous again because the offensive line is awful. For three preseason games of Matt Pert and the Giants are going to start Nate Solder at right tackle. Um, not good. Andrew Thomas on the injury report already. That's not good. You're looking down the barrel week one at a Denver team with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coming from all opposite sides. Not something you want to do with as a team with bad offensive tackles. Giants will have a chance because of their defense. The Eagles, every single season preview about the Eagles I've read, they highlight the offensive line and defensive line depth. I don't hate the weapons the Eagles have on offense. Miles Sanders, Jalen Rieger, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. The, te- the weapons aren't terrible. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is an, a full-time NFL starter based on what I saw last year. Granted... It's only one season, and he was playing with a pretty injured team. Nobody on the outside who can make any plays with the ball. Nothing really dynamic. Maybe you get a full season of Jalen Hurts. You build your offense a little bit more suited for his athletic abilities, more designed rollouts, more play action, stuff to get the offense moving, excuse me, the defense that Hurts is facing, moving east and west. Maybe you try and get more of those easy throws, those half-field throws in the design rollouts where he only has to look at two or three receivers as opposed to the full five, make his life a little bit easier, give him some easier throws because you're not going to survive at the NFL level with a 52% completion percentage in 2021. You're just not. In 2003, you could get away with a 52% completion percentage. You're not going to be able to do that in 2021. I like pieces on the Eagles, and I think the Eagles will be able to hang around 
in a lot of games because of those offensive weapons, because they have offensive line depth and they're going to be able to rush the passer with a little bit of certainty. I don't know how much I trust Nick Sirianni there, to be honest with you. He kind of came out of nowhere for that job. It seems like Josh McDaniels might have been the guy and Howie Roseman decided against it. Got Nick Sirianni in there. I don't expect a ton, to be quite honest with you, from the Eagles. But I do think they will have the ability to hang around in a lot of games, similar to what the Giants will do. And that's really the difference here. As I get through team by team and I try and pick up the pace for the teams I don't have as much to say about, the difference between the good teams and the mediocre teams is that the good teams find a way to win those close games, and the mediocre teams are basically a coin flip in those close games. You don't have a doubt that in a close game, if the Chiefs have the ball, Mahomes is going to find a way to get a touchdown and the Chiefs are going to win the game or at least get it close to winning that game. I don't have that same confidence with the Jalen Hurts, with the Daniel Jones. Next, I'll talk about probably the least competitive division thus far and probably one of, if not the least competitive division in the entire league, the NFC North. This is Green Bay and everyone else. We expect Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to roll that division alone should be five wins out of six. I, I gave Minnesota one win against Green Bay. I gave, I believe, Detroit a week 17. Excuse me, week 18 because we have 17 games now. I gave Detroit the week 18 win against Green Bay, assuming that Green Bay will be resting everybody because they will have everything locked up by that point. I have Green Bay with the best record in the NFC. I think? No, excuse me. I have them tied for the best record in the league with another team who's in the NFC West who, if you know me, you'll know why I have this team high, or excuse me, tied with Green Bay. We know what we're going to get with Green Bay. Rodgers is going to cook, Devontae Adams. It's just a matter of if the defense can be passable. If that defense was competent, they win the NFC title game against Tampa Bay, and it's not particularly close. If they do not let Scotty Miller burn everybody down that left side, thank God they finally let go of Dom Capers. Horrendous play calling there. They've got two really good corners in Stokes and Jair Alexander. Fast, fast players. You got Darnell Savage up top. You got to see what you get out of Rashawn Gary. They still have Zadarius Smith. I like what I've seen from Kenny Payne at defensive tackle. The pieces are here. I've been saying it for a few a while now. I think Green Bay probably should have won the Super Bowl this past year. I think they probably should have beaten Tampa, but they let that game get away from them. That that stretch from the two-minute warning to the end of the first half and then the first possession of the second half just pissed the game away as far as I'm concerned, Green Bay. Minnesota, Mike Zimmer's coaching for his job. That offense has all the weapons in the world. The offensive line is not great. They have a new coordinator, Gary Kubiak, retiring. You have the lingering Kirk Cousins isn't vaccinated. Kellen Mond, their backup quarterback, is not vaccinated. Threat hanging over your team at any given point where if the, either of those guys, excuse me, if Cousins tests positive, you're probably looking at a scenario where both he and Kellen Mond won't be able to play because they'll be close contacts of each other as people in the same quarterback room. And you piss away two weeks in the NFL. That could be your season. I have Minnesota at 7-10. and 10. I think the defense will be a little bit better than last year. I know I know Mike Zimmer is a defense-first head coach. He just wants to bludgeon the other team with 25 Dalvin Cook carries a night. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. They got Irv Smith, who's going to be on pup. They traded for Chris Herndon from the Jets, who I think has potential as a tight end. That offense requires a decent tight end. It helps it out a lot when there is a quality guy to check down to. I've talked about it on the show before. I think Kirk Cousins is a perfectly fine quarterback, but not for what the Minnesota Vikings are paying him. 
Minnesota will be in a lot of close games. Their defense is older. It's not nearly as good as it was a couple years ago when the Vikings were a legitimate threat in the NFC. All the guys who were there are either older or have moved on. The Daniil Hunter of the world, Harrison Smith, Sandejo isn't there anymore. Xavier Rhodes is not there anymore. They have aged out a lot of the pieces on that team that was good once upon a time. And then Chicago, I just don't think Matt Nagy is... I don't think Matt Nagy's a good coach. I, I know he's made the playoffs twice in his career as the head coach of the Bears. I think his insistence on starting the season with Andy Dalton as the starter is one of self-preservation. Him wanting to try and buy as much time as possible before putting Fields in. That way, if Fields plays well in eight games, seven games, he can point to his general manager, Ryan Pace, and say, you can't let me go. We went on a run with this kid, and if you keep me here another year, we can do it again next year with a full season, and we can retool our roster a little bit better. That is Matt Nagy's game plan, and I do not think it's going to work. That offensive line is horrendous. They drafted Austin Jenkins from Oklahoma State to play left tackle. They cut the left tackle they had last season with Jenkins in mind to start at left tackle, even though he was a right tackle in college. Jenkins is hurt to start the year. No confidence on in that offensive line at all. Individual players I like on that offense. I like Cole Komet. I like David Montgomery. Allen Robinson, the god. I just don't trust Andy Dalton behind that offensive line to make anything happen. The defense will be decent. Khalil Mack, not as good as he was two years ago, but still a game-wrecking force. Eddie Jackson, still a pretty good safety. There are individual pieces I like on the Bears. I just don't trust their head coach. I do not trust... Andy Dalton behind that offensive line. I mean, we saw Andy Dalton behind a bad offensive line last year in Dallas, and he was running for his life and had no plays to make, and it did not work. Lastly, not going to spend a lot of time on the Lions. I think the Lions clearly came into the season knowing it was going to be a rebuilding season. It's going to be about establishing a culture, starting to try and find an identity as a team. I imagine it'll be centered around DeAndre Swift. I wonder how well Jared Goff will play. I think Jared Goff will end up being a viable fantasy quarterback by the end of this season, kind of the way Eric Carr was a couple years ago, the same way Blake Bortles was a couple years ago, where if you are a average quarterback talent-wise on a bad team that is constantly playing from behind, you will get a lot of volume, a lot of pass attempts, a lot of garbage time. You're going to get to throw 45 times a game. You'll be able to put up a lot of stats, even though your team's only going to win two or three games. Full disclosure, I have Detroit, one of the three worst records in the league, going to firmly be in the mix to draft either Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, whoever you like for that first overall choice. Moving along, NFC South. Now, this is one of the areas where I am putting a flag in. I am going to say... The New Orleans Saints are going to give the Bucks a run for their money this season. So let's start with the Bucks. First team in 40 years, something like that, to bring back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl championship team. Year two of Brady in that Arians offense with Brian Leftwich calling plays. We know how good the weapons are on offense. They went out and got Giovanni Bernard so Brady could have his facsimile, James White. The defense, Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., Vito Vea, and Dominican Sue. We know the name. Shaq Barrett, of course. We know the names on this Tampa team. They did just win the Super Bowl. I just think Tampa will do what these teams that are pretty good and know they're good do. They'll roll out. They'll 
hammer up on the bad teams. They'll lose one or two close games against a good team and then win one or two against a good team. And I've got them at 13-4. and four. I think Tampa will be pretty good. I wonder how much juice there is on this team, though. It is very hard to go back-to-back. Uh, we've seen teams go to the Super Bowl the following season. It is very difficult to win two Super Bowls in a row. Hasn't happened since 2004, 2005 with the Patriots. Now, I think New Orleans is going to be pretty good. And I have always been a Jameis truther. I've long thought that in the right offense, Jameis could be a pretty good quarterback. I think Jameis is going to firmly be in the discussion for comeback player of the year. Maybe even MVP buzz. I think Jameis, 35, 40 touchdowns, 4,500 yards passing, cuts the INTs down to that 15 to 20 range. I think Winston in this offense, you get Michael Thomas to come back healthy by week six, seven. You get Kamara in there. You've got a good offensive line. The tackles on that team are outstanding. They've drafted interior offensive linemen each of the last two years in the first round. I like what New Orleans has. The defense won't be as good as it was last year. They did have to lose a few people as cap casualties. I trust Sean Payton. I know Sean Payton. I've given him a hard time every now and then on the show because I talk about how, for all of his perceived greatness, he has one Super Bowl and one Super Bowl appearance to show for it. And I like to think the Saints should have been better at points under Breeze, but I'll say this. I think Jameis is going to be pretty good. I think Sean Payton realizes that if he goes to Taysom Hill, he's going to get laughed at. And him just identifying alone that he needed to start Jameis to start the season is a good indicator that he understands what type of offense this needs to be. Jameis will be able to push the ball down the field a little bit. I know everybody has done their fantasy drafts already, but I know Troutman, the tight end on the Saints, is far. Michael Thomas needs to come back and be healthy. Alvin Kamara needs to stay healthy because he is the most dynamic and explosive player on this team. If Kamara goes down at any point, they did cut Latavius Murray, so not a lot of depth there at the running back position, but I think New Orleans will firmly be in that area. I have New Orleans at 11-6. I gave them a split with Tampa Bay. I think New Orleans will give them a fight. And the other two teams in this division... I have Atlanta at 8-9. and nine. I think Atlanta can be pretty good. I think Arthur Smith knows what he's doing, and if he's going to be calling offense, I think he's going to be able to put Matt Ryan in a position to succeed. We've seen Matt Ryan succeed in this type of offense before. He did it with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan runs a take on that play-action zone-run offense that Minnesota runs, that Denver runs. All of these are derived from the Mike Shanahan, Kyle's father, offense. Arthur Smith in Tennessee ran this offense because it's what Mike LeFleur, the Packers coach, ran before Arthur Smith got promoted to offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan in this offense will be able to put up some passing yards. The offense, Calvin Ridley, everybody talking themselves into Mike Davis as an RB1. We know Kyle Pitts is a freak of nature. Curious to see how he does at this level. If the defense can even be not even good, just bad not horrendous as long as they're not horrendous i think atlanta will be able to hang around in a lot of these games and we've seen atlanta hang around in games the last couple years just have no game management have bad feel for decision making down the stretch in games and all you got to do is get two or three of those close losses to become wins and suddenly you're right around 500 i think atlanta will do that this year 
And I was a little bit shocked today because coming into the season, I thought Carolina might be okay somewhere in the ballpark of eight, nine wins. I only have them at four. They got a pretty hard schedule. I don't know what to make of Sam Darnold under center. I don't know what to make of their defense that they used seven draft picks on last year and was still objectively bad. I like Jeremy Chin. I don't know what you're going to get from anyone else on that defense. I like Brian Burns, the talent. Derek Brown, good player. Defensive tackles do not have the impact necessary to be selected in that top five area that Derek Brown was. We're going to see. We are going to see about Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I know everybody is talking themselves up about Joe Brady, especially because of how bad LSU's offense has been the last two years. They were running the ball an awful lot on neutral situations last year. I was surprised when I read that earlier. I forget whose season preview it was. I believe it was in The Athletic. They were talking about how Carolina has this perception of being a forward-thinking, offensive-minded team. They ran in a lot of those neutral situations where a more forward-thinking team might have been more inclined to pass. This comes down to I don't trust Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold might not be a fixable player at this point. He might just be a spot starter, backup quarterback type. And I know that's crazy to say about someone who's only 23 years old. Still has a bunch of experience, and he's younger than guys who've been drafted the last few years to play quarterback. And I don't think Sam Darnold is ever going to be what we thought he was coming out of school. We all thought he was going to be the generational field general, the guy everybody was tanking for. I mean, in his sophomore year of college, there were people at the uh, Rose Bowl, not the Rose Bowl, at the L.A. Coliseum, excuse me, not the Rose Bowl, at the L.A. Coliseum holding up NFL jerseys with the Darnold nameplate, hoping they would get, he would get drafted to their favorite team. The Jets won the most obvious one I remember because I vividly remember seeing it during the broadcast. I don't think Carolina has it. I just... Their offensive line is not great. The weapons are very good. I, I do got to get in a real quick shout. Run CMC McCaffrey. Everybody was running in their car to take him first overall. Robbie Anderson. I've been a DJ Moore guy since he was a rookie. Very impressed with what he's turned into at the NFL level. Don't sleep on Terrence Marshall, the LSU wide receiver there. I know a lot of people drafted him, hoping he'd be a stash for later in the season. I went back and watched some of 2019 LSU over the course of last week just because I was excited for college football. That guy got open and he was catching footballs. Yes, Joe Burrow is better than Sam Darnold. All you got to do is him if they're open, Sam. There will be opportunities to push the ball down the field, and there is a chance that Carolina can be decent. I don't know how much of a chance there is. Okay, I'm taking him a little bit longer than I was expecting to, but it's okay because two of the four in the AFC are pretty bad, so we'll be able to keep this moving. Next, and last, NFC West. This is going to be probably the most competitive division in football. I think any of the three of the Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks could win this division. It wouldn't shock me in the bit. I do not think Arizona can win this division. In fact, I don't think Arizona is going to make the playoffs. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired by the end of the season. I just don't think they have enough. The defense... Great, you signed J.J. Watt. I'm very impressed. You've got 33-year-old J.J. Watt to lead a pass rush. Considering Chandler Jones has been there however many years and he asked for a trade, doesn't look like that trade is going to happen, but I just don't think that the Cardinals are going to be particularly good. We saw it last year. Cliff Kingsbury does not have a feel for what Kyler Murray wants to do on offense. And I say that full well knowing Kyler Murray was injured last year and Kyler Murray is a decent thrower of the ball. He can make the ball look pretty coming out of his hands. 
if he can't run, he's nothing special. He needs to be healthy. He needs to be able to run, get those third and threes, third and fours with his legs to be a viable starter at this level because as a passer, he's not that. We saw it last year. The game on Monday Night Football where they played the Cowboys and Kyler Murray was 9 of 24 for like 185 yards passing. I, and everybody was gushing about how well he played. Yeah, he ran the ball. He couldn't fucking hit anyone open. The Dallas defense last year was horrendous. And Kyler Murray went 9 for 24. Not three-point shots in the NBA. 9 for 24 passing. And this is the one that people are gushing over. I don't think Arizona's going to be particularly good. I think Seattle is probably the third-best team in terms of how I feel about these the teams in this division. Seattle always finds a way. I was having this discussion with a friend earlier today, actually, because we were both going through and picking games week by week. Seattle always finds a way to win these weird close games, and the Seahawks have never played a normal football game under Pete Carroll, and eventually the dam has to break in these one-score games because historically, if you have an under-500 record in one-score games, the following season you go over 500, just the way things shake out. Eventually, luck has to catch up with Seattle. I think Seattle will be decent. The defense, nowhere near as good as it used to be. I know Jamal Adams was playing hurt last year. Bobby Wagner, another year older. You got to see if you're going to get any pass rush aside from Jamal Adams. I trust Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. You've got DK Metcalf. You've got Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson. Offensive line needs to give Russ time. And for the love of God, just fucking throw the football. I know Pete Carroll thinks it's 2008 and he's still the head coach at USC and he has Reggie Bush and he has Matt Leinert under center. For the love of God, Pete, just let Russell Wilson throw the ball 40 times a week. He's one of the te- eight, seven best quarterbacks in football. It's always going to be better for your best player to have the ball in his hands as opposed to your running back. I don't care what you think about game management. I don't care what you think about we need this number of carries to win the game eventually. You need that. Next. I have the Rams and 49ers with the same record. I have them both at 13-4. and four. I gave them a, both a split in the season series. I think the winner of the division will be whichever of these teams manages to have the better in-division record because I think they're both going to be pretty damn good. San Francisco's defense, I think Nick Bosa probably could lead the league in sacks. I'm very curious to see how Fred Warner plays now that he's got his extension. You need a fully healthy George Kittle, but fuck do I love the 49ers offense. Kyle Shanahan is one of, if not the best play callers in all of football. You have two running backs in Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. Whether it's Garoppolo or it's Trey Lance, confidence in Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan was getting Nick Mullins counting stats. You've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got Devo Samuel. I love the weapons they have on offense. I think the 49ers are going to be very formidable. And the Rams. The Rams were decent last year with Jared Goff, who was pretty bad. And Stafford. I don't think Stafford is as good as, like, say, Dan Orlovsky is making him out to be, that the Rams are the clear favorites in the NFC. I think Stafford is a B-. minus. I think he'll be able to win you those close games because he has the ability to make some explosive plays down the field in a way that Goff wouldn't. He has the ability to stand in the pocket under duress from a blitz in a way that Goff wouldn't. I do think that will make a difference. I think that team will have a little bit more of a clear-cut identity now that they have a quarterback who's going to be able to push the ball down the field. Yes, losing Cam Akers hurts, both as a fan of Cam Akers and as a fantasy owner of Cam Akers. I liked what he was able to do, carving out the number one back role for himself. 
They've got Daryl Henderson. They traded for Sony Michelle. I think those guys will be fine. We know that the offense, excuse me, the running backs in these type of offenses that are relying on pre-snap motion and jet sweeps are pretty interchangeable. We've seen running backs go in and out of a number of these spots who run this kind of offense and be successful. It's really about the blocking and the scheme as opposed to the individual talent. If I had to pick one of San Francisco or the Rams, I would lean San Francisco, and that's just because I trust Kyle a little bit more than I trust Sean McVay. We have seen Sean McVay have brain farts in some of these close games over the years. The one that jumps out, of course, the game against the Jets last year. We thought the Jets were going to go 0-16, and by God, the Rams gave him a game. By God, on the road, the Rams gave the Jets a game. Now, transitioning, we're already at 40 minutes, and I've only done the NFC, so I'm definitely going to hit the ground running here. Don't worry. AFC East, like I said during the introduction, I think the Patriots are going to be pretty good this year. I have the Patriots at 12-5. and five. I know that's a little bit generous. I do think that is a little high, but going through their schedule, I think they're going to have one of the best offensive lines in football. They've got plenty of receivers that are going to be able to get open. They've got Damian Harris, who I like at running back. The defense is going to be significantly improved. It's going to be healthy. Stephon Gilmore being out for a little while is a problem. He is one of the best corners in the league. He's not as good as he was two or three years ago. Still a pretty good cover corner. You do have to replace that. I trust Bill. That's basically what this comes down to. I think Mac Jones can hit open receivers in a way that Cam Newton couldn't. We saw Cam Newton struggle last year to be accurate with any real consistency because of improper mechanics. He was such a freak of nature. He got through to that point in his career only throwing with his upper body. Did not really use his lower body or his torso well in throwing. It's why he had accuracy and rotator cuff issues because all of the stress on his throws was in his upper body. It's a lot harder to be accurate when you're only throwing with your arms. When you have your legs under you, you can throw more accurately and harder. I think Mac Jones will be able to hit the open receivers, and I do think the defense is going to be pretty good. I do think the Bills are probably going to be the... I think the Bills have a solid argument for the best record in the AFC. I might end up betting them at plus 450 to win the number one seed in the AFC. All it takes is Kansas City losing one of those weird divisional games against the Chargers or Vegas on a Thursday night or a Monday night, and there you go. There's your difference. The Bills, as long as Josh Allen doesn't regress, they're going to be fine. They played this division. They've got a fairly doable schedule. And yes, I did give the Bills the head-to-head win against the Chiefs in the game-by-game prediction. So that is the difference between the Chiefs and the Bills in my AFC rank, uh, my, my final AFC standings. Yes, I'm talking about final AFC standings before the first game of the season is even kicked off. But that's the point of a preview show. You get to lay everything out and you get to talk things out. This is also for me, too, to help plan. I think Miami going to be in that 9-8, and 10-7 kind of range. They'll be in all those close games. They're going to have to win with defense and special teams. I do think Tua will be better. I don't know if Tua is a good NFL starter. I think he's probably just an NFL starter, someone you can get by with, someone who's going to be able to make the easy plays but not be able to make anything special happen with his arm. You've got Jalen Waddle. You've got Mike Gesicki. Miles Gaskin has a lot of fantasy buzz. There are pieces on that offense to like. The defense has been pretty good since Brian Flores got there. Even in the season, you were expecting them to go like 1-15. They ended up winning six games because of defense and special teams. Belichick guys don't slouch on special teams. For whatever reason, they, that's the one thing they've all learned. Even Patricia, when he flopped, Mangini, Romeo Cornell, those guys took special teams seriously. 
The Jets. Jets just have a brutal schedule. I think the Jets have a, the chance to be, you know, five and twelve, respectable. I only gave the Jets two wins out of seventeen games. That schedule is fucking brutal. The defense, no corners to speak of. Shaq Lawson getting hurt is depressing as hell. I was kind of excited to see him in that defense. I think Robert Sala is going to be a decent coach for the Jets. I think the Jets will be pretty good next year. But this year is going to be taking their lumps. I do think they have the ability to be frisky. They're going to be able to score some points because of Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, calling offense. He coming from San Francisco. We've seen San Francisco's offense be dynamic with subpar quarterback play. And I think Zach Wilson will be decent. I don't know if he's going to be good. I do think he will have the opportunity to be a high-volume quarterback in the same way Jared Goff was. Going to be able to put up a lot of fantasy points and be a viable starter going forward for the Jets. I'll do that. See South next because this is the quickest one. Tennessee is going to win this division running away. I don't think Indianapolis will be particularly good. I don't trust Carson Wentz. I don't trust the offensive line without Anthony Costanzo. Who's he throwing to? T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman. I do try, I do like Jonathan Taylor a lot. I've got him in multiple fantasy leagues. I think Jonathan Taylor is a pretty good running back, but I don't think Indy showed you who they were in that playoff game against the Bills until they are more aggressive in those neutral situations with passing, more aggressive with going for it on fourth down. I, I This mostly comes down to just me not trusting Carson Wentz, and if Carson Wentz is either A, COVID positive, and they have to start Sam Ellinger or Jacob Eason, they're fucked. Or if Carson Wentz plays, he's just not going to be good enough for them to win those close games. Houston, Jacksonville, these are two of the four or five worst teams in the entire league. Houston might be the worst team we've seen in the modern NFL. That's not an expansion team. They're going with Tyrod Taylor because of the Deshaun Watson legal situation, which I commend them for not just ignoring the -the off-the-field stuff and trying to come to some kind of resolution. I believe they're going to wait for the legal process to play out before they end up trading him because the team that acquires Deshaun Watson is going to want assurances he's going to be able to play. Jacksonville, I don't like Urban Meyer. I don't like the staff he's hired. I don't think they're going to put Trevor Lawrence in a position to succeed. I'm expecting that offense to be frustrating to watch because there are individual talents on it I like. I do like DJ Chark. I like LaVisca Chanot. I like Marvin Jones. I like James Robinson. I, of course, like Trevor Lawrence. I just don't think they're going to be in a particularly good situation. They're going to be running the ball a lot because of the stubbornness of their offensive coordinator and head coach. Don't know how good of a game manager Urban Meyer is going to be when he is not in control of the game. There are plenty of coaches who are good at calling plays, but as soon as their team isn't in control of the game, they don't know what to do anymore. I've said Urban Meyer under two and a half seasons in the NFL. I think I'm still pretty confident it's going to be two seasons or less at this level before he goes back to college to either take the USC or Notre Dame jobs. AFC North. I have the Browns, 13-4, and four, Ravens, 12-5, and five, Steelers, 9-8, and eight, and the Bengals at 2-15. and 15. The Browns, I think, maybe the most complete roster in all of football. They had the best offensive line in the league last year. They've retooled. They've added some pieces to the defense that was pretty bad. You're going to have Jadavian Clowney, who is pretty overhyped at this point. He's never really been the player he was expected to be coming out of South Carolina. But you have Miles Garrett back there. 
you hopefully can get a full season of Denzel Ward. Grant Delpit missed all of last season with an Achilles, who was a pretty dynamic player for LSU two years ago. Greedy Williams, they drafted three years ago now, two years in the NFL. Been injured, not gotten a lot of run. They drafted Greg Newsom from Northwestern. I think the secondary has the potential to be pretty damn good. We know that offensive line has talent. They've got, uh, I forget what, Callahan. They have, I think it's not Bo Callahan. That's the guy from draft day. They've got one of the best offensive line coaches in football. They coached up J.C. Treader. They've coached up Wyatt Davis. I like, excuse me, Wyatt Teller. They have a pretty good offensive line. I trust Baker. I went through the roller coaster of confidence with Baker last season where after opening week against the Ravens, I might have been pretty confident that he was cooked and that the Browns were fucked. Stefanski got that ship turned around. They built up his confidence and you saw the tide turn in that game against the Bengals where he threw the touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones where he threw that ball with all the confidence in the world into the back corner of the end zone and knew his guy was going to catch it. If they get Baker playing with confidence, you get a healthy Odell Beckham in there, you got Juice Landry, you got the three tight ends, you've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the Bills very well could push for the number one seed in the AFC. And I know I say that that this is about a team that is the Cleveland Browns. You know, we we keep hearing people on TV, the Rich Eisens of the world, say, well, if they weren't the Browns, people would expect them to be better. Well, until they prove they're not the Browns. And I know going into the playoff game against the Steelers last year that they steamrolled Pittsburgh in, I said until the Browns prove they're not the Browns anymore, they're still the Browns. And that was a really good first step. I still will argue the Browns probably should have beaten the Chiefs that they had slightly better game management and the officials threw the flag for helmet-to-helmet contact down on the goal line that ended up being a touchback. But I like Cleveland a lot. I think Baltimore will be pretty damn good like we've seen them the last few seasons. I don't know exactly what version of the Ravens' offense we're going to get. I'm curious to see how much better that offense can be with some of the additions they made. I like what they're trying to do. They've gone out and got some guys. I like Rashad Bateman a lot. He was really, really good last year in college. Curious to see if they can find a way to get the outside game going. Because we know the Ravens can control that middle of the field with their blocking, their run game, and their tight ends. we got to see the guys on the outside do it. Until someone on the outside can firmly establish themselves as a reliable target, the Ravens are going to struggle in games where they have to find a way to score. Pittsburgh, I don't trust Big Ben. I don't trust the offensive line. I think everybody's giving way too much credit to Najee Harris. That offensive line is going to be bad. Running backs are a product of scheme and blocking. If there's no scheme and there's no blocking, it's impossible to be good. Ask Saquon Barkley. Last, the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow's just going to get the shit beat out of him, to be honest with you. Just point blank, I think that offensive line is going to be bad. I know they took Jamar Chase because Burrow wanted him and he was a flashy idea. They should have just took Penny Sewell and rode off the loss. They already have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They have enough guys for him to throw to. Mixon is a decent running back. I think he's always going to be a little bit worse than people would people expect of him because of their perception of him in fantasy football, where he was a first-round choice, preseason ranking first-round choice for two or three of the last four years, and he never really lived up to that because he was always injured. I think the Bengals are going to have a really hard time. That defense, aside from Jesse Bates, is horrendous. I know they signed Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. He's a good 
vulture pass rusher. He's good if there's another pass rusher for him to play off of. There is not a Cameron Jordan in Cincinnati. I think the Bengals are going to have a pretty hard time this year. I think their head coach is going to end up getting fired. I do not believe in Zach Taylor at this point. Uh, Joe Burrow might throw 55 times a game at some point. He might have 55, 60 passing attempts in a game this year because they are going to be so far behind. Not a ton of confidence in the Bengals. And I I hate saying that because I love Joe Burrow, one of my favorite college football players of all time. It's just hard to overcome that much team adversity. And it's no fault of his own that that's where he ended up getting drafted. So, we've done the AFC East, South, the North, AFC West. This might be, this and the NFC West are probably the two best divisions in football. The worst record I have in this division is 7-10, and 10, and that's Vegas. I, I'm pretty high on the Denver defense, and I think Kansas City is going to be what we expect them to be. Everybody's got Kansas City penciled in to win the AFC. I think the Chargers are going to be very good this year. I think Brandon Staley is going to win Coach of the Year. Love Joey Bosa. You got Derwin James in there. You've got some healthy offensive linemen. You get Keenan Allen. You got year two with Justin Herbert. They got Jared Cook in there to play some tight end. If Eckler can stay healthy, all of the pieces are there for the Chargers to be good. Herbert was amazing last year under pressure, and it's not easy for a rookie quarterback to play well when they are constantly under pressure. And the fact he was able to play so well while under pressure is a good sign going forward. They drafted an offensive lineman. They drafted a corner. I like what the Chargers have done. They finally got rid of Anthony Lynn, who was the reason they were struggling so much, because he could not manage a game to save his life. So many one-score games or last-possession games ruined because he had no feel for the game, not calling timeout at the right time, icing his own kicker, sending his kicker out to send a kick they were clearly going to miss. So many things have gone wrong for the Chargers over the years. I do think Brandon Staley can just... If Brandon Staley can just be logical in those close situations, I think the Chargers are going to be perfectly fine and be able to win three or four of those games that they would have lost last season. Kansas City, we think Mahomes is going to be Mahomes. He's the favorite to win MVP. Chiefs are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. They retooled the entire offensive line. They've got five different starters from the Super Bowl. They're going to bring back Tardif, who spent a year being a doctor in the pandemic. They drafted Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. They brought in a bunch of offensive linemen in free agency. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Aguilar. The only thing I have to say about Kansas City that I'm a little bit concerned about is they are kind of shallow at wide receiver, and we know Tyree Kill is liable to miss one or two games every single season. And as the Super Bowl proved, Patrick Mahomes is not Superman. He cannot win a game single-handedly. So if Tyree Kill misses an important game and Travis Kelsey is the only real established receiver out there on the field, I would be a little bit worried to be as explosive offensively. Denver... I didn't think I was as high on Denver as I was until I went week by week and started filling it out, and I ended up with them at 9-8. and eight. I think the defense and Vic Fangio will be pretty good. I think Teddy Two Gloves will be fine. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is good. Everybody has this perception of Teddy Bridgewater being good because he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, because his average depth of target is 4.8 yards. It's really hard to throw interceptions and fumble the ball when you immediately get the ball out as soon as there's any kind of pressure around you. We saw Carolina struggle to score points 
and meaningful points in the game. Teddy's fine in garbage time where there's no pass rush and the receivers are wide open because the other team's sagging off. In tight games, you don't trust Teddy Bridgewater because you know he can't make explosive plays. It's going to be the RPO check down type things where the receiver is going to have to make the play. And Denver got a shit ton of weapons. They've got Melvin Gordon. Everybody and their mother drafted Javante Williams on the assumption he's going to usurp Melvin Gordon at some point this year. You get a healthy Cortland Sutton. You got Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Deshaun Hamilton. They got so many weapons where all the quarterback has to do is just get the ball to them and they'll be fine. I think Teddy Bridgewater can do that. I think they will be fine. I don't think Denver will be particularly good. The pass rush will be pretty good. The corners will be good. They got Justin Simmons, who's a pretty good safety. I think Vic Fangio will get to save his job one more season. I do think Denver's going to regret not drafting Justin Fields ninth overall because as good as Patrick Sertan looks like he's going to be, they could have just had Justin Fields and a lot of the question marks we would have about this team would have been answered. So, as a recap, I've got Dallas to win the NFC East, Green Bay to win the NFC North, Tampa to win the NFC South, San Francisco to win the NFC West. Three wild cards. I have the New Orleans Saints, the Rams, and Seattle. AFC, we've got the Bills in the East, Tennessee in the South, Browns in the North, and then the Chiefs in the West. Three wild card teams, the Chargers, the Ravens, and Denver. Excuse me. Yeah, Denver. Denver. So, with that said, I'm so fucking excited for football. You're going to be listening to this on Thursday. We've got Al. We've got Chris. Thursday night. I hope we get a Carrie Underwood song. I'm so excited to watch Dak Prescott as an eight-point underdog against the Tampa defense that won the Super Bowl. It seems like in the world, in football, the defending Super Bowl champion always wins on Thursday night to start the season, wins the game outright. I don't know about covering the spread. I'd ha- I'm going to have to look into that. I'll end up looking it up after I'm done recording, but I'm so excited to watch football. So, my hot takes... I think Pittsburgh is going to be pretty mediocre. I think New Orleans is going to be pretty good. I think the Patriots are going to be very good. I think everybody is overhyping the Washington football team. I think Vegas is going to struggle because their defense is bad. I think the Chargers are going to be in the mix to win that division with the Chiefs if they can beat the Chiefs two times, which doesn't sound easy, but anything is possible, especially when you have a quarterback who looked as good as Justin Herbert did as a rookie. I think the Giants will suck. I think the Eagles will suck. I think the Jets will suck. I think Minnesota, Mike Zimmer, first coach fired. And tomorrow, we will talk gambling stuff for week one. We'll give you the full gambling disclaimer, strategies, resources, all the things you need to have, in theory, a successful gambling season for football. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. Enjoy the football.